My name is Angela Reese. I am one of the pastors here at Providence. Um, Last week, we started a new series called Jesus Changed My Life. And I don't know what those words make you feel, but uh, my heart starts to pound when I hear them because I can feel my whole life story in them. It's like all of it flows through me in an instant. It might be the closest thing I can imagine to life flashing before my eyes before death. I can see stories of me singing songs to Jesus when I was a kid. Stories of me as a teenager when I thought I didn't need Jesus. All the stories of struggle and not measuring up. The story of me being so completely lost and broken and desperate and and Jesus finding me and um, meeting me and reminding me of who I am, a beloved child of God that God delights in and wants to shower with grace and love. All the times that... um, Jesus made my heart more happy and light and hopeful. All the times that Jesus has pushed me out of my comfort zone so I could live into my purpose. How I fell more in love with my husband because I saw Jesus in him. The time Jesus tracked me down in a middle school gym and said to me, Hey, Angela, I know you think like you, that you've messed up a lot, but get ready. Because I'm going to use you to tell the whole world about me. Jesus had to track me down a lot, and I I just could spend the whole time together today sharing these stories with you. I have so many. A lot of them, a lot, are about how I've surrendered my insecurities and fears to Jesus again and again and again so that Jesus can continue to heal my heart and make me whole. And if you want to hear them, I would love to meet with you. So you send me an email, okay? Because I'd love to tell you all the ways that Jesus has changed my life and how Jesus can change your life or hear how Jesus is changing your life too. I would love to hear your stories. I was talking to one of my kids the other day about what it's like to be a parent. And I found that I was practically choking on on some of the words that I was sharing with him because I didn't always live up to what I was saying. And I was talking to the child that has been with me through the full scope of my parenting to date. Like, he's experienced all of it. He knows that I didn't always get it right, right? We can't. And this wasn't the first time that we've talked about these things. Um, But as he gets older, we talk about them in a different way. And it's always a very humbling experience for me. But our relationship is so saturated with love. Um, And there was one point in the conversation where he said to me, Mom, when we know better, we do better. And that was his way of um, extending grace and just being kind. Um, And the end of our conversation, though, I started crying. And I said, hey, man, like, I can't get off the phone with you without sharing this. And I started to tell him again all the ways that Jesus changed my life and how that changed how I viewed my children and that changed how I parented. You know, Jesus changed everything about my life. But I've been... um, thinking about that Maya Angelou quote since that conversation, and I wanted to share it with you again. The full quote is actually this. I did then what I knew how to do. Now that I know better, I do better. 
I love my Angelou so much, and this is such a beautiful quote. You know, it's one that reminds us that we can and should extend grace to ourselves for all the things we did when we didn't know better. Right? And we truly can only act and speak from what we know, from the things that we've been introduced to in life. So um, I think, and it's important to remember that we are all still learning, right? So we should offer grace to ourselves and to one another. But I can tell you, there have been so many times when I knew better and did not do better. As beautiful as this quote is, it makes me wonder, where is the grace for the time I stole Paradise Punch bubblegum from the store when I was a kid? Or all the times I didn't do what I knew to be right because I was afraid, or because I was focused on my own goals, or because I was tired? There have been so many times when I could say, Jesus changed my life and I know better but I don't do better. This is where we find Paul on his journey today. Right? He's agonizing over this very thing. Here's what he says. I can anticipate the response that is coming. I know that God's commands are spiritual, but I'm not. Isn't this also your experience? I know we haven't gotten very far, but I'm going to stop us right here because I think it's really important for us to talk about this before we move on. Paul believed that the commandments that God gave to us were good, and they are. They are good. They reflect the character of God and are holy, but we are not. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Even though we are children of God, made in the image of God, born with a promise and a purpose, crowned with glory and honor, we are broken people that chose to walk away from God's perfect love and the life that God intended for us to live. When that happened, okay, sin flooded the world and us. And what that really just means is that there is now something in us that pulls us in the opposite direction of God. And that breaks God's heart because God loves us so much and desperately wants to have a relationship with us. It's why God gave us the commandments, to show us what was right and good so we could do those things, right? Know better, do better. And we could work to restore that relationship. But in learning what was good, our eyes were open to what was not good in comparison. God wanted to lead us to life, but sin got its grip on all of those commandments and used them to um, exploit all of our weaknesses, right, and move us further away from the love of God, all the way to death, all the way to death. So Paul is acknowledging here that the law is good, but that there is something in him that is not. So to answer his question, we can say, yes, that is also our experience. He continues, Yes, I am full of myself. After all, I've spent a long time in sin's prison. He's remembering his life before Jesus changed it here, okay? We heard the story last week. Paul was pretty much um, a terrorist, hunting down followers of Jesus and killing them when Jesus stopped him on the road to Damascus and changed his life. 
Paul, this rascal, then became like the greatest evangelist, but he's still remembering his life before that moment, right? We remember our stories. And he's referring to it as sin's prison, so we can be sure this is not a place he wants to go back to, right? And then he goes on to say, what I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. He's saying, I can't always do what I want to do, right? Sometimes we tell ourselves that we're not going to eat any more junk food, and then the next day we're ordering pizza for dinner, right? Or in my case, stocking the freezer with ice cream. <laughs> Sometimes we tell ourselves that we're not going to take another drink, but then we get home after a really long day, and, and we find ourselves reaching for that bottle. We understand the struggle. We get it. So he's saying, if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for me and actually do it, it is obvious that I need help. I need God's commandments to show me what the right thing to do is. And we do. We need that direction. But then he goes on to say, but I need something more. For if I know the law but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it is pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? It's like Paul is back in chains here. He is bound up in his spirit and he is struggling. He's like, okay, I know the law. I have the direction. I know what is right. And it's not just that he knows it. He delights in it. He loves God with all of his heart, and it brings him joy to do what is good and right. But it doesn't always matter. He can't do it. He can't do it. If to know the right thing was to do the right thing, our world would look completely different. There would be no hunger. Nobody would be homeless. Nobody would endure abuse, but knowledge by itself does not actually make us do better. And this, this is not about willpower. This is not about how strong we are. This is not about who has the most determination or, or the most discipline. This is not a personality type struggle. This is a human struggle. We are all in this one together, all of us. Paul's also not trying to escape responsibility. 
What's happening in him is not what he wants to happen. He's not making excuses for his behavior. He's identifying a problem. There is something in him beyond his control that is pulling him in the opposite direction of God. Of all that is right and good, is this also not our experience? To that we can say, yes, it is also our experience. Paul recognizes he needs something more. He can't do it on his own. He can't do it. He needs something bigger than himself because the law may be able to show us what is good, but it can't help us conquer the sin that seems to make its home in us. And trying to follow all of the rules and, and do all of the things the right way and measure up to all of the expectations is exhausting. It is exhausting, and it is binding him up and weighing him down, and he is asking, who will rescue me from this mess? He's not asking what. It is not a thing that can save him. He is asking who. Who will free me from it? Who has what it takes to get the job done because I can't do it? He couldn't do it. I kind of feel like this next part should have a drum roll or, or trumpets blaring or some kind of superhero music because, man, he deserves it. But it's not how Jesus entered our world. He entered gently and humbly. And so without fanfare, I say to you, the answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. Jesus rescues us from that mess. Jesus has what it takes to set us free. Jesus does. Jesus. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all of my heart and mind, but am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. Romans 8.1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from, sin, from the law of sin and death. I love that, therefore. I love it. It might be my favorite, therefore, in the Bible because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It's like saying, because you know better but can't always do better. Because the law binds you up even though it's good. Because you can't overcome sin on your own, you are now free in Christ Jesus. It doesn't make sense. Why do we deserve the gift of Jesus? Why do we deserve to be free? Why do we deserve the power of the Holy Spirit working in us to push back that darkness? Everything in our culture tells us that we get what we work for, that we can achieve success and win only when we work hard. But the Bible tells us that we can't work for this one. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. There is not one thing we can do to earn this. Not one. 
And not only that, but there is now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. No guilt, no shame, no judgment. None. Not even for the times we knew better and didn't do better. And I think those are the moments, those are the ones that can grip our hearts and make us feel like we need to hide. They're the ones that allow fear and shame and anger to grow within our hearts. The ones that whisper the lies to us that we are not enough, that we will never measure up, that we are not wanted, that we don't belong, but Jesus. Jesus says to us, you are a beloved child of God. You don't need to hide. You can come out to me. Walk with me. I'm a safe place. I will help you. Jesus says, tell me the stories. All the ways you didn't get it right. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Jesus says, I know this is hard. I know it's hard. But you can rest in God's grace now. You are loved. You are loved. You are loved. Let my peace fill you. Jesus says, be free. Be free. It is my honor to introduce you to Kathy. She and her daughter Emma were baptized on the same day last year during our baptism service. Here she is sharing um, a little bit about her journey. My name is Kathy Rhodes. I've been attending Providence Church about seven years. I kind of hit a milestone in my life this year by turning 50. And you know, when you, when you hit that milestone, you kind of reflect on where you've been and where you want to go. And I knew that there were places I had been that I don't want to go anymore. I knew that I needed to make changes spiritually, that, you know, having a close relationship with Jesus is what was lacking. Even though I've always tried to talk to God and but the, I just needed something different. And by just becoming more involved with people that were experienced and, and knowledge and um, able to, I guess, train me up more than just opening the Bible and trying to read it and figure it out and just being surrounded by people that knew what I needed and could, could speak into me. I was brought back to the church by the birth of my daughter, Emma. 12 years ago, over the years, uh, we've just been growing with our relationship with Jesus through coming here on our regular basis. Um, we were both just felt called to participate tonight and, and we both felt um, the love of God in our lives and we just want to search and continue our walk and when I went under the water, it was just a freeing experience because of what I wanted to start anew and I guess that's really what it was, it was freedom. And just knowing that I was um, able to start fresh 
Rachel knew. And then watching Emma have the same experience um, and to be able to continue her walk and to be able to do it together um, was just really special and momentous. And um, I know we'll both remember this day forever. Kathy is someone who found freedom in Jesus. Like Paul, she is someone whose heart beats for God, but she recognized that she needed something more. She needed Jesus. And I admire her so much, so much. There is something that has become very clear to me since Jesus changed my life, and that is this. I need Jesus to keep changing my life. I will always need something more than myself, someone more. If you are feeling that in your life right now, a need for something more, it is Jesus who you are looking for. It is Jesus. You know, sin may make itself at home in us. But I can tell you, I can tell you, the heart and love of Jesus is the home that you are longing for. It is the home. So come home. Come home. Jesus is waiting for you. Surrender your life to him. Come to the water and be baptized. Let God's grace wash over you. Experience the freedom that only Jesus can give you. He has what it takes. If you are ready to do that right now, I just want to invite you to text Say Yes to 31996. One of our pastors will reach back out to you to celebrate with you and pray with you and help you get to the water. You are so loved. You are so loved. You are so loved. Amen.